0: About questions. Um, I really want to be able to answer everyone's questions. The way that um, we're set up here with, thank God we have a nice crowd. Um, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to take everyone's personal questions during class. The chat box will remain on. I will save the chat box questions. So if we don't get to them at the end of the class, I can answer them in the beginning of the class. Something else that I hope to be doing is, um, I don't know if, and all of you have heard of it, but there's a great new app called Schmoozy, which allows me to create forums and different conversations. What I want to do is to take after the Zoom Tanya class, I want to be able to hopefully upload the video on Schmoozy, but then be able to create a forum and discussion from whatever we learned from class. You can post a question there. And what I love about that forum is I can answer it by by text, or I can also voice note and give you an answer that way, which for me is so much easier than being like Tanya's, you know, involved. It's much easier to be able to talk your answer than to just, um, you know, have to type it. So there'll be a lot of different things that I'll, you know, keep you posted along the way. And um, I think that covers like technical stuff. Oh, one more thing. Um, I really, really, really appreciate feedback. You wanna tell me I'm doing great, go right ahead. If you wanna tell me where something can go better, that's where I really wanna hear from you. This is really, really new for me. I've never done anything like this. So I'm sure that there will be plenty of room for improvement and I wanna hear from you Um, what's working, what's not working. And like I said before, the more faces I can see, the better. I love to see your face. I love to see your reaction. Usually I can tell if someone's super confused, I'll be like, okay, we need to talk, explain that more. But if I'm talking to a bunch of black screens, it's hard to do that. I also understand I am a mom. It is the middle of the day. I understand that if you're doing other things while listening to this class, I really, really, really am okay with that. And if you need to leave your screen off, I'm totally cool. But if you are just, you know, able to open your screen and, and join me face-to-face, super amazing. Okay, so here we go. Um, we are going to start with a slight, in- a little bit of an introduction. And what we're going to, Tanya is something that is, you can study peripherally and you can go into so much detail and depth. What we're going to be doing, what, my, what I envision for this class, and hopefully we'll get to you know, finish the whole book of Tanya together is that we're going to kind of be taking like a bird's eye view. We're going to be looking at this Tanya with like the big concepts, the concepts that we are going to be using to practically impact our lives. So we might not, oh, if if you have learned Tanya already, you might realize that I'm going to be skipping over some stuff or I haven't touched upon certain areas. That's intentional. It's because there are certain things that I want to focus on. And I also am very aware that we have, thank God, people from all over, from all over the world um, with different Tanya backgrounds, some Are not even sure what Tanya is, and some have learned Tanya many times. Let's all come with a blank slate, and we can, you know, we'll do this together. And for my, for me, even like when I, every time I prepare for Tanya, I always learn something new. So I'm hoping that the way we're learning and how we learn is going to offer a fresh perspective, even if Tanya is something that you're familiar with. So, let's basics basics. What is Hasidus? Right? What are what Tanya is a book of Hasidus, right? So, what is Hasidus? And Hasidus is, and I love this, this translation of Hasidus, is because basically it's the worldview and the way life uses the most important and esoteric and mystical concepts, but in a way that's supposed to impact and and, and affect your life in a practical way. So, Hasidus is taking something, the loftiest part of the Torah, the most mystical, you know, you know, intense parts of the Torah, but we're using it in the most practical way. So we're literally going from highest to lowest. And that is the beauty of Hasidus, the ability to take these concepts and really apply them. My Tanya class is not about how much knowledge you're going to gain and all the technical stuff you're going to learn. It's really about how are we taking these concepts and applying them to our lives? I like to call Tanya like the OG self-help book, because as you, the more you learn Tanya, the more you realize how practical it is. And I'm very, very um, involved in the therapeutic world with my therapist, my kids' therapist. I talk to therapists all day. It's like my full-time job. And The more I study Tanya, the more I like realize like this is the source. This is where all these, you know, smart like it's all sourced in Torah. It all comes from here, and it's been so fascinating to, you know, see how it how this happens. Okay, so we want to be able to apply what we're learning, um, and like actually apply it, uh, make it applicable to our lives, um. One thing that I forgot to tell you is at the end, the last five minutes of the Tanya class, we will end with a a short meditation. Um, Trust me, meditation is really difficult for me, but when it's in little five minute bites, I think it's really doable. And what I, what I, why I do it this way is because Tanya, first of all, is the biggest proponent of meditation. That's one of the main tools of Tanya that we're going, that, are, are used. And also I want to end the class with you just being able to calm, calmly block out the noise and walk away with something like a little sound bite that you can take with you through the rest of the week. So we will do that at the end of the class. Okay, so we have a little bit of a broader view of what Hasidus is. So now what is Tanya? Tanya is um, the book that the Alta Rebbe wrote and just to give a little bit of a background, the Alter Rebbe um, was the first Chabad Rebbe, and he was the student of the Magid, who was the student of the Baal Shem Tov, And the Baal Shem Tov is the one that introduced Hasidus into the world. So the Baal Shem Tov had something like 60 students. The Magid had 120 students. From the Magid, all his 120 students went on to be um, Hasidic rabbis in their own dynasties, they took Hasidic teachings and made them personal and created their own past. The Alter Rebbe was one of these students and he created Chabad Hasidus. Now, what's Chabad Hasidus? What, like, what, is Chabad, like, what does Chabad mean? Okay, Chabad is an acronym for Chachma Bina Das, wisdom, understanding, knowledge. We will get more into that as the chapters go on, but basically it's intellectual. And why is that so important? Because the stereotypical chassid was um, explained and viewed as a very emotional relationship with God. What did that look like? Hours and hours of prayer. Sometimes it looked like, you know, um, extreme, um, like what's the word I'm looking for? Like uh, restrictions. And it was just very, very, very intense, emotional and you know, with a lot of feeling, not so much intellectual, comes along the altar and he says, we are going to serve God with our mind and our mind is going to control our heart. And we are going to learn later on how, how important joy is in the service of God. But the most important part is that we control our mind. We control the things that we think, the things that, and if when we control the things that we think, it then controls how we feel, and we will get into that in depth. Okay, so the al Rebbe decided that he's, you know, or decide, or he was the 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 leader of the Chabad Hasidic movement, and basically, how did the book of Tanya come about? Everyone wanted to speak to the Alter Rebbe personally, right? Everyone came to him with their existential spiritual crises. And the altar realized that there's no way that he's going to be able to answer every single person's question all the time. And then he also realized that so many people are coming with the same question. So why not save time and be practical and make sure that everyone has access to this information? So he decided he started writing the Tanya. Tanya was first written in pamphlets that were distributed, then it was printed and bound into a book. Now, what is so special about that is that the the Tanya is basically like having a private audience with the Alter Rebbe. When you are studying Tanya, you are literally... Going the, uh, the Tanya has a specific order which we'll talk about, and you're 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 asking your questions, and the altar is answering you. It's like a personal, private audience. Like if you were to ask this question to the Alter this is what he would tell you. Now, we said before that um, Chabad is an intellectual Chassid. Um, we take the study of mysticism, and we understand it, and then we can take it to heart. So, for example this is the trajectory it's into, we we understand it in our intellect, then we feel it in our emotions and then it affects our behavior. And that is really the whole point of the Tanya to teach us how to do that. How are we starting with our brain then moving to our heart and moving to our actions? We don't want to act on impulse. We want to have this thought process of how we think and feel now, the Tanya is laid out as has a, has is is not. You would think that it might be like almost like a Hasidic encyclopedia, right? Like look up something. You 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 want to know what the something means. You you look it up. You find out whatever. That is not what the Tanya is. The Tanya is not an encyclopedia because how is an encyclopedia organized through alphabetical order? That that is not how the Tanya is organized. The Tanya is organized in in a, a thought out succession of what comes first right so it is informational it is it, it is informational and inspiration so you're not gonna like if you're looking for a book that you can just like flip through and say oh what is um Kalipa I need to look that up the time is not gonna like have that organized for you in that way it is strictly a informational book where um you are going along on this trajectory it's kind of like um a recipe right or when you get an instruction manual like there's a method to the madness right there's a reason why this comes first and that comes next and it all follows a particular order and you're not going to want to do you can't do the end of the instructions before you do the beginning or you all you'll be miscombobulated so there's a very thought out order to this book and it is an informational book um and it is a book that will it's an sorry it's an instructional book not an informational book an encyclopedia would be information tanya something like instruction it's in we we take this and we learn and we use it practically okay so um When, let me just see, I do have notes. I was going to make sure that I um, refer to them. Okay. So like a recipe, when you are starting cooking, right? And you open your cookbook and you have a recipe and your recipe gives you instructions for how to go about what you're making, right? And at the And if you follow the recipe correctly, your end result should work, right? You should have a functional end result. But before you get to the recipe, what do you need to know? Before you get to the recipe, you need to know the ingredients right? Like what are the ingredients that you need to make this recipe? So the first couple chapters in the Tanya are going to be telling us like the ingredients of what, like, what do we need to know before we get to the actual instructional process? We, we need to have a few terms under our belts, a few concepts under our belt before we can actually get to the, to the, to the part where we're actually, where it's actually practical. So the first couple chapters, and I believe it's like the first eight chapters, we're going to be learning all the foundational concepts that we need to then transition into a practical, instructional, informative way of living. So what what is it that we want at the end of this? At the end of our Tanya experience, what are we expecting to have? So I'm going to say a word that's going to be a real trigger on purpose because we're going to talk about that. Um, the, what we're trying to achieve at the end of the 53 chapters is perfection. Oh oh my gosh. I said it. Um, perfection. Now don't freak out because perfection has a lot of different definitions and we're going to be using perfection and not the way that you think. So, um, Basically what we're going to discuss, and I am going to be like jumping ahead and kind of giving you a little spoiler alert. So we know what we're going to be talking about in the future, but it's not necessarily in chapter one, but it helps us kind of integrate and understand what's going on. So what we're going to learn is that we, um, there's a big difference between who I am and what I do. Okay. Okay. Let that sink in. Who I am and what I do are not always the same thing. We can't necessarily be perfect, but we can do perfect, Okay, And we're going to talk about what that means. Now, um, I can't tell you how to see reality because That's what our mind does. I can't tell you how to feel about reality. That's our heart, right? But what the Tanya is going to teach us is how to make the right choices. That is something that's in our control. So how we see things and how we feel and who we are at our core, we might not be perfect at our core, but we can learn how to have perfect behaviors, Okay. We can learn how to have impulse control. We can learn how to make choices and understand where our control lies. Are you with me so far? Did anyone be like, oh, I'm out of here. This isn't, you know, like, I don't like the sound of this. I'm out. Stick with me. I'm telling you, it's going to be good. So um, what, is, what does that mean? Now we are going to be introduced to different categories of people. One of the categories of people that we're going to be introduced, actually not really until chapter twelve, but I'm going to give you a little sneak peek so you can understand what what's happening here, is a person called the Bainani. The Bainani, and we're going to get into him. We're going to get into who this person really is in much more depth later. But just briefly, a Bainani is someone who's emotionally conflicted but behaviorally perfect. Okay, so he has a ton of conflict inside of us. He doesn't. Feel he doesn't, he himself in his core is not perfect, but he has mastered the ability to behave perfectly. Okay, now, why is this so important? Because the not, another name for this book is called Sefer Habenonim. This is our goal, our goal, our ultimate goal is to be someone who can act perfectly, but doesn't necessarily have to be perfect. Okay, so this is our like end result of the recipe now we're going to learn i want to just make a little disclaimer we're going to learn how important it is that sometimes we can get so distracted by the goal that we forget that we forget the process and that tanya will constantly remind us that more important than the goal is actually the process and the effort we put into the goal. So keep that in mind so you don't get overwhelmed by oh my gosh, here I am being told that I can have perfect behaviors and I, you know, and I I can choose how I behave and I can have impulse control and I can act perfectly. It could be really overwhelming and you just want to run away. Don't, don't let that happen. We are, we are doing this in little bitty tiny bites and the Tanya, we're going to do this with the Tanya. It's going to help us break this down in manageable ways and practical ways where you're going to be able to action, actionably, is that a word, whatever, make little changes in your life that you're going to see huge differences. And the, and actually my favorite part of learning Tanya is that before you even, um, apply anything to the Tanya before you actually like practically take some of the Tanya into your life, you just are going to automatically see the world differently without even trying. You're going to learn something. You're going to learn how the inner workings of the world is. You're going to learn how the inner workings of your soul is and your body is. And you're going to automatically see it differently. You don't without even trying, without even meditating, without even like employing any of the tools that the Tanya is going to give us, you're going to automatically start to look at the world differently. Okay. So that was all a little bit of an introduction. Now we're going to get into chapter one. What does chapter one start with? Chapter one starts with, remember, if any questions, just put it in the chat box. I can see it. If it's something that I can answer in the middle of the class, I will. If not, we will wait to the end, or I will provide other ways to answer questions. I don't want anybody to come away feeling confused or overwhelmed. That is the exact opposite of the intention, Okay. So if that's happening for you, please let me know. Okay. So chapter one, we start off with a passage, a pasuk from the Gemara. And it says, before you were born, the soul took an oath to be a tzaddik. I'm going to translate that word in a minute and not to be a Russia. And even if the whole world tells you you're a tzaddik, you should view yourself as a Russia. Okay. Kind of bold statement, right? Our soul takes an oath before it comes down into this world that we Are supposed to be at tzaddik and not a Russia. but if someone tells you you're at tzaddik don't believe them right like it's a very and the tanya is gonna take this phrase and analyze it over many different chapters so we're not gonna get to understanding this complete phrase right away but we're gonna start to take it apart okay now i said the word russia and i said the word tzaddik there is no really great english explanation for these words because Saying that Tzadik is a righteous person and saying Russia is a wicked person is not accurate, okay? So we're going to give these words, Tanya definitions. And I'm hoping from then on, we I'm going to re- refer this to Tzadzik and Russia and not in the English definition because I don't want to say righteous and I don't want to say wicked because the furthest thing from for Russia is, is a wicked, that's not the right translation. So we're going to define this, according to the Tanya, and then we're going to be using these Hebrew terms. Is everybody okay with that? Nod your head. (laughs) Okay, good. Um, Okay, so uh, the definition of a tzaddik, according to Tanya, is someone who has perfect insides and perfect outsides, right? We said the bainani before, he can act perfectly, but his insides are not perfect. That's The tzaddik, he doesn't need impulse control. He is perfect inside, perfect outside. Everything he does is congruent with God. Now, if you want to take a, like, I know where I fall, which category I fall into. I can't speak for all of you. I think most of the world falls into the Russia category, which we'll explain. But if you want to take the Tzadic test at home, this is what you do act on every single impulse that comes to your brain. Okay. at the end of the day, you have only acted wholly, you're a tzaddik, OK? Simple as that. Um, chances are, I guess in my life, that is not going to happen. If I acted on every impulse, I'd be in a very bad place, right? So this is my point. A tadic does not need to think before he, speak, he speaks. He doesn't need to think before he acts. He doesn't have to have this constant grip on his, on his actions. And he doesn't have to constantly rethink and think everything. Anything that he wants to do, anything that comes out of his mouth or out of his whatever or, at, or his actions will be perfect because his insides are perfect. Now, if you remember, what's our goal? Our goal is to be a Bani. Being a Tzadik is not even on our radar. We are not even supposed to be striving for that. That is something that happens once or twice in a generation. And that is a godly thing that God decides who's going to be at Sadiq. We're not, don't even put that in your, your, your like radar. This is not our goal. Our goal is not to be perfect on the inside. Okay. So like that is something that we just take off the table, but it's really important for us to understand, to give us context, because we're going to really delve into what is a Bainani? And to understand, we need to understand the contrast of what a tzaddik is and what a Russia is. Okay. So now we know what a tzaddik is. What's a Russia? Somebody who can't always control their behavior. Simple as that. Okay. A tzaddik is not a wicked person. A tzaddik is, doesn't have behavioral control. Now you may ask, well, how often? It doesn't matter because if you don't have behavioral control at all times, you are are not a banani because a banani has behavioral control he doesn't have perfect insides but he has perfect outsides and you're definitely not a sadic. you're somebody who struggles on the inside and also struggles on the outside sometimes we win and sometimes we lose sometimes we act godly and sometimes we act not godly okay so i don't want you to ever think when we say russia we are equating that with wicked or evil or or anything really negative, right? Because that's not, this is not the point. The point is God created us basically as a Russia, as somebody who doesn't have behavioral control. And what we're trying to do is slowly but surely gain more and more behavioral control. That is our mission in life. That's what our purpose is down here in this world. Okay. Um, yes. Um, okay, so. Like, it's just a quick example of like a Russia, right? Like, let's say you're going um, to, someone just said, can I use she and her instead of he and him? Absolutely, yes. Actually, it's very interesting because the soul is actually in the Torah is referred to as a she. So I don't know why I automatically go to him and he him and he, Um, but I will try to make that more inclusive. Thank you for pointing that out. Um, Okay. So for example, let's say you're going on a long drive in middle of the night and you want to go with a responsible driver, right? And so you ask this driver, like, have you ever fallen asleep at on the road? And he's like, not one time, a few years ago I did, but usually I don't. Usually I don't fall asleep at the wheel. Does that does that give you confidence? Like, not really, right? You want someone who's going to say a hundred percent, I've never, ever fallen asleep at the wheel and I'm not going to, right? Like that's something, something that's going to give you confidence. So it's just an example of saying like, it doesn't really, for the Russia, it doesn't really matter how often you lose behavioral control. It's the fact is, is that you lose behavioral control sometimes, right? And the, the the Russia is such a huge category, which we're going to talk about later, um, I believe in chapters nine and 10, or you know, somewhere around there. We're gonna talk more about the, the category of people that the Russia encompasses, which is most, most of the world. Most of the world falls into this category. So when you view yourself as a Russia, this is not, you should feel really proud and something that this is who we are and we're striving for this ultimate goal of the bainani, okay. So, um, okay. So we understand that we're not supposed to be. We, we want to like we're supposed to be at Sadiq, which we'll talk about later. Why the term is Sadiq. We we want to be. We don't want to be a Russia, but. We don't really understand what these categories are and so how do we even go about this so the tanya starts off saying the key to understanding the different categories of people is to understand the kabbalistic understanding of the two souls that are inside of us okay we are born with two souls chaim vital a very great kabbalist discussed that in every single one of us are two souls, okay? Now, what are these two souls? chapter one really only gets into the first soul. And then chapter two, we delve into more of the second soul. So we are left with a little bit of a cliffhanger. We'll touch on the second soul a little bit, but we're mainly going to be talking about the first soul. Okay. The first soul is called the enlivening soul. A lot of people use the term, term animal soul only because not it's the soul that animals have only because it's animalistic. It's very, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, physical, right? It's all about the physical needs. Okay. So when you have an animalistic desire, that's why it's called the animal soul. Really? We like to call it the enlivening soul because it's the soul that actually gives us physical life, right? The, the, our life comes from this first soul. Um, what is the drive of this soul? This soul is all about survival, self-preservation. Okay. Um, eat, sleep, procreate, all the things that are going to make sure that we're still alive. So it's very, very physical and it's very, very selfish. Selfish, not in an immoral negative way. It's just selfish because what we want to do is we want to stay alive. Okay. And this is the sole purpose of the animal soul is a selfish purpose is to stay alive. Now, sometimes staying alive, kind of morphs into what gives me pleasure, right? That also comes from the animal soul. But the source of the animal soul is enlivening. It is completely selfish, is going to do whatever it takes to to stay alive. So for example, like a baby, right? A baby, first of all, why is it the first soul? Because it's the soul we get first. We get the enlivening soul into our body before we get our, our godly soul. And a baby, what is the soul, what does a baby do? Eat, sleep, drink, cry. And how do they get their needs met? They cry and they make sure they get their needs met. Why do they cry in the middle of the night and they disturb you? Do they feel bad when they cry and keep you up in the middle of the night? No, because they need to stay alive. That is their way for staying alive. So that's the best way to describe this animalistic enlivening soul is its survival. Its sole goal is to survive and it will do whatever it takes to survive. And sometimes that goes against what... We, the godly soul decides that we need. And, um, and then this is where the conflict happens, okay? So, we, um, so remember, this is not an amoral, it's not an immoral soul. It's an amoral soul, okay? This is, it's not about morals. This is about self-preservation, okay? So this soul is all about physical animalistic needs, the second soul, which we're going to really get into more next week, but just so we have a little bit of a contrast is selflessness. Okay. It's the exact opposite of your enlivening soul. Okay. It's sole purpose is to reunite with God is to connect, to re to re, um, uh, combine itself with the godly light, right? Like it's constantly striving to reunite with God. What is that? complete selflessness, right? So we have, um, two souls within us. One is completely selfish. One is completely selfless and they live inside of us wanting two opposite things. What do you think that feels like? Have you ever like had a really spiritual experience and has, and have been, like so inspired and you're all in and you're like, wow, I feel so connected to God. You walk out of the synagogue or you walk out of the class or you walk out of the spiritual environment and you see like, I don't know, this amazing restaurant. And you're just like, oh my gosh, it's all about the delicious food. And you like completely forget about the spirituality. Not that food is negative. Food is very, very positive and can be used in a very positive way. But my point is, is that we are human beings that sometimes we feel like we have multiple personalities and you know why we feel that way because we do we have two souls the the you know when what's a great example of that is um, Rifka when she was pregnant with twins she was going crazy why was she going crazy because when she would pass a holy place her, her she would feel kicking when she would pass a place of idolatry she would feel kicking and she was going crazy she's like what's happening I have a child in me in me that has split personalities is he holy is he not holy what's going on here so he went to the sages and they said no you have two babies inside of you so and she was relieved why was she relieved because she it, she understood what was happening a little bit more so we have to view ourselves the same way we have two alive kicking souls that are kicking us in opposite directions. So when you feel like you're going crazy and why, why sometimes am I so holy and why sometimes am I so mundane and physical? And why do I feel like I'm all over the place? Huh? You know why? It's because you have two souls and you have two souls within you that want two opposite things. And that's how God created you. So you're not crazy. You just have to figure out how to navigate this situation where you have two things inside of you that want completely different things so one of the most powerful things that I took away from this chapter was when I when I learned it every time I'm like it makes oh I'm not crazy oh it's okay that I feel two opposing things at once not only is it okay of course I'm gonna feel that I have these two souls within me that want me to do two opposite things and they're fighting and Each one fights for complete control. None of them are working, they're not working together. They want complete control of you. So that could be crazy making. And I just come away with that feeling like a little bit like like Rivka did when she spoke to the Y stage, telling her that she had two babies. Like, oh, I have two souls inside of me. Of course it feels crazy at times, right? Like that's how it's supposed to be. Now the question is, is how do we slowly but surely Um, allow our godly soul to dominate and not our enlivening soul. Okay. Are you with me so far? Okay. Any questions in the chat box? I can see them coming up right now. So I can interrupt for a question. Okay. So what's, what we're going to learn and understand is the purpose for this conflict. Like why were we created with such conflict? Like why do why do we need that, right? And also, we are going to learn methods and techniques to manage the conflict. Okay? So now we know we have major we have major conflict inside of us. Every single one of us. Okay. Why? Why do we need that conflict? We're going to get into that, but I'm sure you can imagine like we, if we came down here, perfect, what would be the point, right? Like we understand, we know that we're here to character develop, to change the world, to change ourselves. If we came in here all tzaddikim, what would, what would be the purpose, right? So we can understand a little bit of why there's a conflict inside of us. And we'll understand more as Tanya goes on, but you can't, God can't just put two souls inside of us. Create such conflict and not give us tools to figure out how to manage the conflict, right? And this is where Tanya is so powerful because this is literally the informational, the instructional book of how are we going to manage the conflict inside of us, okay? So um, we have internally two souls that are always going to be vying for complete control, okay? Now we know that. We know, remember the first eight chapters, we're, we're getting base knowledge, okay? We, what do we know so far, okay? We know that there's different categories of people, right? We have a Tzaddik, we have a Russia, and we have Bainani. Most of us are gonna fall into the Russia category. And what's our goal? We wanna get closer and closer and closer to this Benini character, okay? We, so now we know that. So we have some of those things down. We also know that we have two souls, right? We have an enlivening soul and we have a godly soul. We don't know much about the godly soul yet because we're going to get into that next chapter. We're going to talk about what's the makeup of the soul? How does it work? How do we express it? All those things we're going to be talking about next chapter, okay? So internally, we have two souls that are always vying control. Externally, we want to manage behaviors. So our godly soul is in control, and our animal soul can be like the backseat driver, right? What happens when our godly soul is in control and our animal, we're not eradicating our animal soul, right? That's only a saw that can do that. Our animal soul is always going to be there, but we are going to be, if we can have our godly soul be in the driver's seat, we're going to be able to um, achieve behavioral perfection. Yeah. Will we all be tzaddikim in the world to come of Mashiach? I have no idea. I have no idea. I don't understand how Mashiach works. Honestly, like if you want to know my honest opinion, I really hope Mashiach comes, and especially I think during this year we're like all davening for Mashiach, but. For me to wrap my brain around the concept of Mashiach and how are we gonna live our regular life? Are we gonna only want good? How does that work? Are we, you know, who, you know, is everyone, everyone's coming back to life? Like, how, what happens if you have two marriages? Like, what the heck happens? I don't know. So, I have no idea what's gonna happen with Mashiach. I'm assuming from some of my knowledge that when Mashiach comes, you will have, um, a holier drive. Like we will not have this constant conflict inside of us. We will almost like if we act impulsively, probably holiness is going to come out. Um, but that's all just assumptions and conjecture. I have no idea. So I'm sure there's a lot of great rabbis. You can ask that question to but if they give you a, like a complete answer, I don't trust them. Like nobody knows. Um, anyhow, <laughs> so, um, okay. So this is, what I want, this is what we're, we covered in, in this class. We covered basically a little bit of an introduction, right? We, we, we understand a little bit more of like what's Hasidus. Hasidus is something that takes mystical teachings and allows us to apply it practically in our lives. We understand a little bit of what Tanya is, right? Who the Alter Rabba is. He's the disciple of the Magad, who's the disciple of the Baal Shem Tov, who's the one that introduced Hasidus to the world, right? And now we have the altar Rebbe who took Chassidus, which was a very emotional um, kind of extreme behavioral experience, to something that's more intellectual. Chabad Chassidus is based on intellect because everything comes from the brain. Okay. Now this is another therapeutic thing that you've that you learn, even if like if you're involved with therapist, like people will say like, oh, but I. But I feel this way and I, and I, you know, like our feelings come from our heart. Yes, our feelings come from our heart, but it originates in your brain and how you think and how you view the world. How you view the world is going to directly impact how you think, which directly impacts how you feel, which directly impacts how you behave. How powerful is that, right? Like we have so much power right? now we're not going to, we're going to get into thoughts, right? We're going to get into that probably chapter like five or six. I don't remember exactly. So I'm not going to get into it too much now, but I want you to understand this concept, right? And it's not a Torah. I mean, it's a Torah, it's a bit, it's a Torah concept, but it's a concept that mainstream um, professionals have, have adopted completely. Okay. So, and this is part of My passion in teaching Tanya is I want people to understand that this is not like Torah to study and to shelve away and just for knowledge. This is real practical stuff that we can really integrate into our lives that works with um, conventional thoughts and therapeutic behaviors. Does that make sense? Okay. So. We know that we know that tanya is based on our intellect wisdom understanding knowledge we're gonna get into those what those terms mean also later on remember we're really just touching upon concepts right now then we go into that we we understand that we there's many different types of people there's three different categories and we understand that we have two souls okay we have two souls one's an enlivening soul um, a completely selfish soul and one's a golly soul which is completely selfless so if you ever feel like you're crazy you are you have two opposite things inside of you that are vying for complete control that is crazy making okay so now we know that it's okay when you feel like how come one day i'm spiritual how come one hour i'm spiritual and one hour i want to throw it all out the window Oh, because one hour your godly soul is working really hard and is, a, and is um, succeeding. And the next hour your animal soul or your you know, evil inclination, which we'll get to that later, is working really hard and is winning. Okay. It's not that you're crazy. It's just that this is how we were created. Okay. And what we're going to learn is how to manage this conflict. How do we manage the fact that we have two completely opposite entities inside of us that are pulling us in completely opposite directions. How do we manage that? Because we can, we could manage it, right? There are tools to do that. That is the end of the informational part of this class. I have like three, four minutes for any questions and then we'll move on to a short meditation. Any questions? Wow, I made complete sense. That's a first. Come on, guys. <laughs> Everything makes sense. Even I question myself. OK. Um, are there examples of a, of a female tzadekis? Absolutely. Our matriarchs, Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, Rebecca, Sarah. Um, those are examples of a tzadekis, right? A, a female. Any basically um, any. Um, matriarch or person in the Torah, that's the the devora. I mean, any, any, those are all, I would say those are all examples of a a woman Tzadakis. Now in um, like practical, like our lives right now, like, I don't know, because I don't know, you know, I'm sure there is. I just don't know. I couldn't point you to, oh, that's a Tzadakis. Like, I don't know. Also, we're going to learn later on is that you actually don't know what's going on inside of somebody, right? Like, remember, internal perfection is not something that you can judge. Only God knows that, right? So if God makes it known that like Moshe Rabbeinu is the leader of the generation and he's a tzaddik, then you know he's a tzaddik. But other than that, there can be some hidden tzaddikim running around that you don't know because you don't know anybody's internal soul. Only God gets to know that, okay? So, okay. Is there a difference between the and enlivening soul or are they saying, um, okay, very good question. We're going to get to that. There's the enlivening soul. And then there's the evil inclination, the that the the thing that drives us to be ungodly. They're interchangeable, but they're also can be like the enlivening soul. The difference is that enlivening soul, like you need it to be alive, right? Um, The Yitzhahara is more of that drive the inclination that gets us to do, um, ungodly things. Okay. But we're going to expound on that a little bit more. I hope that helped just for now. Um, what about the idea that you're not your thoughts? Oh, a hundred percent. Of course you, you can't be your thoughts, right? Like even, okay. Another book I want to recommend. It's not a Torah book, but, um, Saul for happy. Has anyone ever read that? That book goes into exactly how it's impossible for you to be your thoughts. You can't be your thoughts. You're not your thoughts. Like you are a person who thinks and has thoughts, but you're not your thoughts. So I I 100% um, on board with that idea. Um, Okay. Yeah. So your thoughts, you can allow your thoughts to define you, but they don't have to define you right? Like sometimes we are defined by our thoughts. We have a certain idea and we decide like we're going all in, right? We dig our heels in and that's it. But it doesn't have to be that way. It could be that way, but it doesn't have to be that way. Um, Did you say I taught in that way? Yes, I did. I... I think there's always exceptions to the rule, but I think in general there's going to be a tzaddik neshama. There's going to be a soul, a tzaddik soul that comes into this world that's destined to be a tzaddik, like Moshe Rabbeinu. When he was born, the house was filled with light. He was a baby. He didn't do anything, right? Because his neshama, his soul was destined to be a tzaddik. And I think in, I think we'll get into it later. I don't remember exactly, but I think the Torah talks about that. The Tanya talks about that. Like there's a, there's. Certain souls that are destined to be at Sadiq and they're usually born that way. Not to say you can't become that way, but it's it's usually something that you have the soul capacity to do that. Um, do some people have stronger negative power? We're going to get into that. Some people have stronger negative impulses. Um, it's interesting because Atania does not view that as a positive. Um, I mean, some people have l- less Negative impulses, like they're just you know those goody goody people that just do good because that's their nature. Um, you might think that that's an advantage, but it actually can be a disadvantage because what we're going to learn in like chapter I think it's a twelve or thirteen is that really what does God value most is effort. So if you're just coasting and doing good, yeah, great, but where's your effort? Where's your effort in your godliness? And we're going to get to that in a in a couple chapters. But yes, there's people who are born with a harder, you know, a bigger drive for physicality or, or people who are born with a more spiritual inclination, of course, um, and that just, you know, but everyone has their strengths and weaknesses and then nobody's off the hook, honestly. Like everyone's gonna have something that they struggle with and the tiny is going to address it all. Um, so basically the struggle is real. Hell yeah, the struggle is real like every single day, if you come out with one thing, I want you to understand that you're struggling because that's what we do. That's why we're here just like we struggle right like there's no I I, I want I want anyone to name me one person that they think like that has like a struggle free life. I don't think that exists um, uh, even Moshe reacted impulsively running away saying like, yeah. Okay, I, 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 that's a very good point that even Moshe Rabenu had impulse reactions to things that he did get like punished for. Um, I would say that even those impulse reactions, they were, they were godly. They were coming from a godly place. Maybe they were not God's intentions. Maybe God wanted him to do it differently, but they were not like a choice between something ungodly and godly. It was how he perceived the godliness in that moment but I'm not an expert on that. And that's just my view. We Moshe was a Tzaddik. That's not, that's not an argument, right? Like we know that he was the ultimate Tzaddik. So the fact that he had some missteps, I think they were missteps within spirituality and also being held to such a crazy standard that none of us can even fathom. Um, do sadiqim get reward for good actions if they made no effort? Okay, I love this question. We're definitely going to get into that more in the other chapters. Basically, um, where God's passion is, is in the work and in the bainani and in the person that's working really hard. Yes, we need sadiqim. Yes. And I think even um will tell you that like or I don't know, I'm just saying that I'm assuming that they sometimes almost wish they can have a struggle so they can have that connection with God. I think, the, of course, they're rewarded for their actions. Of course, they have immense, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like benefits from acting impulsively good all the time, but there's something to be said for the effort like we spoke about. And, th- and that has that holds extreme value to God is the effort. Okay. So those are some great questions. Um, I'm going to move on to our meditation and if there's more questions, put them in the chat box because I can save them. And then um, Hani's on here from Boss Matal, but um, I announced in the beginning, I'm going to be making a schmoozy forum for this Tanya class. Anybody can go on there, sign on. It is super user-friendly and I want to be able to continue this Tanya discussion throughout the week. So if you're like going about your day and you're like, oh my gosh, I have a question. This doesn't make sense to me. Go onto your schmoozy app, go onto the Tanya forum, which I'm going to create. I didn't create it yet. And, um, ask the question and I can engage with you and answer the question on, on there. And I'm hoping to be able to have the recording of the video on there as well. I don't know how that technically works. So we'll be talking to Hani. Um, okay, so anybody who's um, a, a meditation expert or knows meditation, I'm sorry, this is gonna be really like elementary. Anyone who has never med- meditated before, Great. This is going to I'm going to walk you through it. It's going to be 5 minutes and you don't have to ha- don't Okay, the first thing I want to say about meditation is don't expect any particular results. Just let it be. Okay? There's no wrong or right way to do it. Don't expect to feel like some great spiritual revelation. I'm telling you you're definitely not going to feel that. Um, but what I what the point the reason why I like to end with a meditation is that it kind of grounds us. Lets us kind of focus on some particular concepts that we can take with us for the rest of the week. Okay, so everybody get comfortable. Preferably with two feet on the ground. So you have like a firm base and I want you to take a couple deep breaths with your eyes still open in through your nose out through your mouth. Okay, so when you start to feel more in tune with your breath, gently close your eyes and continue breathing in through your nose, out through your mouth. I want you to focus on your breath and allow the breath to lead your mind and also Notice the sensation of your breath, okay? You can even gently put your hand on your belly if you need to, so you can feel like the inhale and the exhale. Follow the rise and fall of the breath and the sensation. And just sit there for a minute. Don't try to control your thoughts. Don't try to do anything except lean into your breath. Is it fast? Is it short? Is it heavy, light, deep, shallow? Don't try to change it, just observe it. Okay, I want you to slowly bring your attention to the words that I'm going to tell you, and just think about it to the best of your ability. We have two souls, two opposing desires. We don't have the tools yet to manage it, but I want you to feel the relief of knowing that there's purpose to the conflict, okay? We feel crazy sometimes, but there's, per- there's purpose to it and it makes sense. Just lean into that for a minute. As we go through the Tanya, we are gonna slowly discover who am I and what do I want, okay? We will have a powerful set of tools to manage self-awareness. We will know what we are capable of spiritually and what is beyond our reach. We will be aware of our mental and emotional limitations, but we will continue to challenge them daily, implementing a realistic and effective method. If there's anything I want you to come away with, it's that. It's that we are going to discover who we are. Self-awareness is huge. We are going to understand what we're capable of and what we should let go. We're going to understand and be aware of our mental and emotional capabilities. And we're going to constantly push that boundary. We're going to continue to challenge ourselves and be able to implement a realistic and effective method of, of managing the conflict. Sit with that for a minute. Bring your attention back to your breath. And when you feel comfortable, you can open your eyes slowly, be gentle. And you made it. You made it through. You survived your first Tanya class. Okay, remember um, feedback is really, really helpful. I'm an amateur. This is my first time. So, not for my first time giving a Tanya class, but in this kind of forum. And um, I really want to make it something that's enjoyable for you and the most effective. So, um, hello. Oh. Oh, anyways. Um, okay. Anyone, if anyone wants to say anything, you can unmute yourself. If not, Look at that 1158. We are done. Um, see you here next week. Same time. Um, I will let you guys know where to access the recording. Um, and